Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, it 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, We're brought to you also by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. A lot of you waking up this morning bleary-eyed because you stayed up last night to watch an absolute classic game between the Rams, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, what a game it was. So much going on in this game. I feel like we could unpack this one for almost the entirety of the show. It felt like a Super Bowl. It felt like an epic contest, a heavyweight fight. Insert your cliche here to describe what happens when two Titans go head-to-head delivering one body blow after another and nobody wants to step aside. Some of the stats that will blow your mind. 546 total yards from the Kansas City Chiefs. 455 total yards from the uh, L.A. Rams. Nearly combining for 1,000 yards of offense. In fact, is that 1,001? I can't even do math. My mind is so crossed over. I think that's 1,001 yards of offense totally. Uh, Yards per play. The Chiefs averaged nearly eight yards per play. Patrick Mahomes had five turnovers, 
but six touchdown passes. Probably the greatest five turnover game in the history of the NFL. Uh, And I felt like this was a watershed moment for the NFL. After two years of going all in on politics and being woke and all that other stupidity, which was awful for the NFL's business, this was the NFL getting back to its bread and butter. It was the city of Los Angeles coming together and uniting behind uh, all of the uh, rescue workers and first responders, the LAPD, the LA firefighters, everybody out there who has been battling the wildfires. It was sports as a unifying factor. I couldn't get over seeing Jared Goff and many of the coaches, including Andy Reid and Sean McVay, wearing LAPD hats. Think about the difference between Jared Goff wearing an LAPD hat and everything that Colin Kaepernick did over the past two years to try and destroy the NFL's brand with his pig socks, with his references to police officers being modern-day slave catchers. This was the NFL saying, my bad, we exist to bring Americans of all different backgrounds together and just watch a damn good show. It was entertainment of the highest level. This was everything the NFL does right. And I got to give credit to ESPN. I thought they hit the tone absolutely perfectly on their broadcast as well. This was, I think, a revolutionary moment as well in the larger context of the NFL because it was college football meets the best football players in the world in the NFL in a track meet. This, A lot of people out there are going to look at this and say, my God, 54 to 51, where was the defense? I'll tell you, it was all over the field. The defense scored 21 points in this game, 14 points for the L.A. Rams defense, seven points for the Kansas City Chiefs. The defenses didn't play poorly in this game. The offensive execution was at times just unmatchable. And if you watch probably 27 or 28 of the teams in the NFL, I'll give credit to the Steelers and maybe also the Patriots at their absolute apex right now, as well as the Saints. There are about five teams that are capable of putting on a show like this right now. The two that we saw last night, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Patriots when they're playing really well, the Saints certainly, if you watch their game against the uh, Eagles, and, uh, and sometimes the Steelers. That's about it for offensive team. Maybe we're going to put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in there because they can score a lot of points. The problem is they have no defense at all, so they're not actually a very good football team. I think this is a revolutionary game. I think we will look back on this game and say this was the time when all the college read option, RPOs, everything else that college teams have been doing for the last decade or so finally translated to the NFL. And if you heard Jared Goff interviewed after this game, he said it felt like we were, he said he told Patrick Mahomes, it felt like we were back at Cal and Texas Tech. Two really talented quarterbacks, two great offensive coaches, and so many skilled playmakers 
all over the field, making one big play after another. It was an epic heavyweight fight. Now, what's the long-term significance? Uh, I think it's going to be substantial in terms of the embrace of offense in the NFL. I think you're finally going to see the NFL come out of the uh, Stone Ages. And for a long time, NFL people have been like, oh, that doesn't work. That won't work in the NFL when they watch college football contests. Um, And I think this was a wow moment for many people. I think that almost every NFL team will be trying to study this film and figure out what worked so well, how the defenses were attacked, and what those other NFL teams can do to try to make this possible for their teams. Now, I don't think it's incredibly easy to replicate because I don't think there are that many guys out there as good as Patrick Mahomes. I don't think there are that many guys out there as good as Jared Goff. I think for the NFL... It's a big message that you had two young quarterbacks like this performing this well on the biggest and brightest of stages. I thought the Coliseum setting was phenomenal. The crowd was engaged. L.A., what a embrace of the NFL. This, to me, was officially the NFL being back in Los Angeles. Maybe not if you're a Chargers fan, but the Rams, I think, with the way that they embraced their community thoroughly became a part of the heartbeat of the LA sports scene last night. I thought also, we didn't talk about this, but I was out in LA all last week. When I get on my airplane to fly back on Saturday, there's a front page advertisement from the Rams uh, saying we're basically standing together with the city of Los Angeles to overcome the shooting that happened as well as the uh, as the uh, fires and the, uh, the ravages of both of those incidents that happen almost simultaneously uh, for the people of Southern California to have to overcome, it was, I think, the perfect antidote in some way to bring a community back together that was hurting again. And to me, the, the, uh, the connection between the military, not necessarily the military, but the first responders, the police, again, the LAPD and this community, it was what can be right about sports, a healing moment, a connection, a, a uh, moment in time where nobody in that stadium is looking around wondering what political opinions anybody has. Everybody's just sitting down and having a great time. For this season, what does this game mean? I'm not sure. Could have been a preview of the Super Bowl, in which case we're all going to be very fortunate. Could it have been a preview of the Super Bowl? Certainly. I think the Chiefs, through 11 games, are the best team in the AFC. Nothing that I saw on the field last night changed my opinion there. I think through 11 games, the Rams are the second best team in the NFC. I think right now, the Saints are the best team. We'll get into top five, bottom five in hour two. I'll give you my uh, my breakdown of the top five and the bottom five in uh, the NFL. But I believe Danny G and Roberto have put together, for those of you who may have fallen asleep, for those of you who may have found out uh, that you had something else going on and you didn't, weren't able to watch the game, it was an epic, a classic, an undeniably brilliant night for the NFL. And this is what it sounded like. Goff under center, takes the snap, he play fakes, great backdrop, throws him inside the 20, lock the ball, left side, and he's caught, touchdown! 
the opening drive with six. Kareem Hunt, halfback right, fake to him. Pressure on Mahomes, flighting a pass left side for Tyreek Hill. He's got a touchdown! Kansas City! Patrick Mahomes, a perfect touch pass. And the Cheetah says hello to the Monday night stage. First and 10, Chiefs at the 21 of the Rams. They fake the end around. They're going to run a screen right side. Kareem Hunt inside the 15. 10 5! Blasting to the right front pylon! Touchdown! Kansas City! A sack, a strip, and a screen all in consecutive plays. Second down and eight snap back. It's knee high. He collects it. He wants to throw. He's under pressure. He's sacked. Ball comes out. Aaron Donald knocks it loose. Cincinnati Bukong scoops and scores! Touchdown, LA! Aaron Donald knocked the ball loose and Cincinnati Bukong housed it. Three wide right, so is Spencer Ware Mahomes stepping up into the pocket, being chased, fires late, it's caught by Conley in the end zone, touchdown, Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes, a rabbit out of the hat at the end of the half. Midway through the third quarter, the Chiefs trail 30-23, Mahomes, belt high snap, looking right, turns left, goes middle, caught, Kelsey, touchdown, Kansas City, just blows by Nickel Roby, and the Chiefs cash in again. Throw flat-footed, it's picked, right side, Samson Abukam, the 10, the 5, Abukam runs over Mahomes for his second defensive touchdown of the night, 39-30, Samson Abukam, have a game! The Chiefs down 10, play action fake, bootleg throwback attempt, throwing long, Tyreek Hill's wide open at the 20, 15, 10, 5, nobody is within the boundaries of California. 40-37, Rams, back to throw, Goff, under pressure, he's hit, he's stacked, it's pulled away, it's going to be a touchdown, defensive touchdown, Kansas City, as the Hulk, Allen Bailey just pried the ball from the grip of Jared Goff, and now the Chiefs get a defensive touchdown, and take the lead. Snap, third down and goal from the seven, retreats the throw, fires middle, Gerald Everett, two yards deep left side, has it. Touchdown LA, fireworks fly off the peristyle end. Here at the Coliseum, it's rocking and the Rams are back in front. First and goal at the 10, Chiefs are down by three. Mahomes again under pressure, crossing pattern, caught by Conley, five, four, three, two, one, touchdown, far right pylon. Conley with the touchdown, burning Marcus Peters. He's got the snap, Rams bring four, he's well protected, nowhere to go with the football, he escapes pressure to his right, now launches from the 20, downfield, intercepted again at the 28-yard line, LaMarcus Joyner on a night that L.A. will never forget. And they take the Rams to 10-1 as they go to the bye. Fireworks fly off the peristyle end of the Coliseum. Los Angeles, these are your Rams. Ability to respond after it wasn't always pretty, especially in some instances, is, is why you love him and why he's such a great quarterback because of that even-keeled demeanor and disposition and that, that poise that we always talk about. We thought we were, you know, one drive away from kind of putting it away and getting, getting enough of a lead and 
and then they would make plays and get back in it, and then they were in the lead in the fourth quarter, and we were like, all right, like time to respond on our side, and we did. Phenomenal highlight clip there. Phenomenal game. I don't think the Rams fans certainly could have expected anything better. I frankly don't think the Kansas City Chiefs fans should be that disappointed either. Chiefs, I believe, should be your favorite in the AFC substantially to advance to the Super Bowl. I think this was a great challenge for them. I think they answered just about every possible bit of uh, challenge that the Rams brought to bear there. Uh, as good of a game as you can possibly imagine. We'll take some of your calls in hour two, but we are loaded today on the show. We're going to talk with Charles Davis uh, coming up next. He calls games, uh, NFL games for Fox in hour two. We'll talk with Mark Schlereth. He also calls games uh, for the uh, for the uh, for Fox on the NFL. In hour three, we'll talk to Petros Papadakis to react to a big night for the city of Los Angeles and a big night for the city of Kansas City. Just a big night for football fans in general. This felt like a return to NFL cultural dominance in a good way. Guys, never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. You may think it makes you look casual, but more than likely, it just ends up looking sloppy. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. A casual shirt that's not too long and not too short. It's just right. Shirts designed so well, GQ calls them perfection. Untuck It shirts are a go-to for any occasion from casual to dressy. Not only they look good, they feel great. Impeccable craftsmanship and attention to detail make Untuck It the only choice for the untucked man. With more than 50 sizing options, every guy can find the perfect shirt. Whether you have a six-pack or you haven't seen your abs since college, log on to untuckit.com and check out all the new fall arrivals. Use the promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% off your entire first-time purchase. You can also visit Untuck It at one of their over 40 retail locations throughout the country. Stop hiding your shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% savings. This is Outkick the Coverage. Up next, Charles Davis breaking down that game last night between the Rams and the Chiefs on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Going to get you uh, Eddie Garcia's update and then talk with uh, Charles Davis at CFD22 here in a moment. But this is a pretty wild stat. Last night, there were 14 touchdowns scored in the Rams-Chiefs game. Monday Night Football, incredible classic. The Buffalo Bills have scored 13 touchdowns all season long. Not trying to take a shot at you. Sorry, Buffalo Bills. But to me, that represents how some teams in the NFL right now, and there are about five of them, are playing a completely different style of ball than everybody else. Pretty incredible to think about that, um, you know, that perspective. Again, last night, more touchdowns scored in this game alone than the Buffalo Bills have scored 
all season long. Eddie Garcia, what you got for me, my man? Well, first, great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. Of course, everybody talking about last night's Monday night football game here in Los Angeles where the Rams held off the Chiefs for a 54-51 victory. The 105 combined points make it the third highest scoring game in NFL history, and it's the highest scoring Monday night football game of all time. Jared Goff, quarterback for the Rams, 413 yards passing and five touchdowns. Four passing, one rushing, no interceptions. While Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes had 478 yards passing, six touchdowns, but five turnovers, three interceptions, and two fumbles lost. And two of those touchdowns were returned, or should I say, two of those turnovers were returned for touchdowns by the Rams defense. So with the win, the Rams are now at NFL best 10 and one, and the Chiefs dropped to nine and two with that loss. A couple of quick NBA games of note. Bucks beat the Nuggets 104-98. Milwaukee's 12-4 on the season. Second best record in the league behind the Toronto Raptors. Clippers beat the Hawks 127-119. Clippers at 11-5 are now percentage points ahead of Golden State for first in the Pacific Division. Grizzlies over the Mavericks 98-88. Memphis at 11-5 is on top of the Southwest Division. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore. With True Price from True Car, now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy more car confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Live here, as Eddie Garcia said, in the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Here's another great stat for you as we bring in Charles Davis. It's the first time in the history of the NFL that a team that has scored 50 points has lost a game. The Kansas City Chiefs, 51 points in this game. Entering this game, the team that had scored 50-plus was 216-0 and all time. 216 and zip if you scored 50-plus, Charles Davis. Uh, that would be a tough one if you'd gotten uh, access to one half of the Biff uh, uh, Almanac a sports almanac and uh, back back to the future and you'd known the Chiefs were going to score 50 plus you'd put everything down you could based on that history and you'd still found a way to lose uh, that bet Charles as you were watching this game do you believe this is a seismic shift in the NFL you've watched college football called college football for years it seems like the NFL is finally starting to say you know what maybe some of this stuff they've been running in college football would work in our game too yeah, Clay, I think where, where, we've, where we've gone is for years you've heard from the college guys, and real quick before I get into that, what you were saying about that number last night, it's, and I know the on social media the Big 12 jokes were rampant last night, correct? You yes. Know, hey, I'm watching a Big 12 game. Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken, has given up 40 or more points in their last three games and have won all of them. And that you know, and that's been like you know, since you know, Biff had the almanac that that's happened, you know, for a team rated as high as they are. So it's that type of a year. But I think all the colleges have told us for years. And when I was covering college football weekly, I ended up writing it down because it was became so prevalent that defensive coaches were no longer doing the old stuff that we did when we were kids, Clay. When we walked into the locker room and you saw all the goals for the year. You know, hold them to three yards per rush. You know, hold them under 200 yards passing. Hold them, you know. Those have all been torn down. Now all they want to do is, hey, can we win on third down, right? Keep them on, uh, to a reasonable percentage on third down. Do we win in the red zone? Make them kick field goals instead of touchdowns. 
do we get do we affect the passer in the pocket with sacks, hurries, et cetera, et cetera? Those are and, and obviously how many points do you give up? That's your number one thing. All right. Bottom line, what do we give up in that and can we keep it to a number where our offense can compete? As you've said, that's hit the NFL in a big way. So while there are a number of NFL teams and coaches, I'm sure, that don't want it to be a seismic shift, just take the Super Bowl from last year, put it with this game, and maybe that's our time capsule. Because the Super Bowl was a wild shootout last year. How did it get decided? Brandon Graham made a play at the end where, where he put his hand on the football and knocked it from Tom Brady. They kicked the field goal, go up eight, and make him throw a Hail Mary that almost worked anyway. But bottom line is you find key defensive plays. Well, what happened last night? Everyone put up points, but how did the Rams win it? A few key defensive plays along the way. And that's how the whole game ended up, you know, coming a cropper there. All right, you know, Aaron Donald with the strip sacks, Ekebon with the with the two big plays that he made. You know, then at the end the interceptions because they had the pressure and they were able to, you know, get ahead. So that's what we've gotten to. So I think it's a good point that you've raised. Seismic shift. A lot of coaches don't want to go there, but who's winning the most in the NFL right now? Those teams who are running the best offense. Let's also talk big picture in the NFL right now. I think sports in general is at its best when it brings everyone together, regardless of race, religion, background, politics, all of those things. Wishbone, did, beer. Yes. <laughs> Run did and this, shoot. <laughs> did this feel to you like a rebirth of the NFL in Los Angeles in the way that they basically embraced the community that was suffering over the shooting yep. uh, in, uh, in, in Los Angeles and over – the wildfires that had spread all over Southern California. This felt like a moment where the city of Los Angeles came together in sort of a joyful celebration of something that united them all. Yeah, and I know that we get into that that tricky territory, right? We always get into it, especially when we are battling war, you know, when we're waging war somewhere or involved in a war, a conflict, whatever we want to call it. And everybody gets, you know, we all get very sensitive and we want to make sure we say the right thing. Although I'm still trying to figure out how during those times when it first bubbles up, we don't say war room anymore at the draft. Yeah. And then as soon as it, it dies down, everybody goes back to saying war room. I'm like, well, why do we say war room ever? Yes. The draft room. Just call the draft room and, call it and be done with it. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. It does feel that way, Clay. And it's felt that way throughout this season. I think you and I have talked about it along the way that – while saying football is back is probably too strong, the idea that we're just talking football this year and not other things has been huge. And that doesn't mean there haven't been protests like we've had before. Eric Reed gets re-signed. He, he takes a knee and continues to take a knee. When Kenny Stills was healthy, he took a knee in Miami throughout the entire season. You know, he and Albert Wilson. We could go on with a few other examples, maybe some raised fists, maybe some other things. But the football was so good. If people just quit talking about it. it. It became the football overarched everything else. And last night, with everything going on in Los Angeles, and let's just be frank about it, how the game came back to Los Angeles was probably not handled the best way. But bringing it to Los Angeles ultimately was the right move for so many different reasons. And to see what we saw last night with how the first responders were treated, how the city of Los Angeles and, and the nation embraced everyone, because we can't begin to fathom what they're going through. All I hear about is these first responders continuing to work, continuing to battle, continuing to fight, and a good number of them have lost their homes as well 
or had to evacuate as well, yet they're going to work every day. People coming from all over the nation to help out. And the football got a chance to congratulate them, thank them in a small way, and then the football game exceeded everything we could have ever possibly wanted to exceed. So for a short time, maybe gave some people a little relief. And again, I don't want to overplay it, but I get tired of people underplaying it too because it does help people out. Don't you think also it's amazing how this worked out that L.A. got to host this game as opposed yeah. to Mexico City? I mean, and, it and just it, made everything perfect, I think, for the city. And, and the best part about that, Clay, was that the league didn't have to jerry-rig anything on that. See, yep. what people have to understand, and, and I'm sure you've pointed it out already, but let's just make sure everybody gets it. When these games are moved, all right, to London, Mexico City, wherever they want to take them, there's already a designated home team. And that designated home team, if that date is given up, still has to hold their stadium just in case. See? And so you've got to hold that date, hold the stadium, even though you're playing that game somewhere else. You can't give it up to a concert. You can't give it up to something else. And the just-in-case came into play, and Los Angeles was already the designated home team. You see, it wasn't Kansas City. So people can't say, well, they just moved to L.A., weather, right? No. It was already designated that way, so when they had to make the move, that's how it worked. So every team that gives up a home date, by, by NFL rule, has to make sure they keep their home stadium available in case something goes haywire, and in this case it did. So I, you know, I have a, an arched eyebrow about how it got to that point, but thank goodness they already had it in the rules and the bylaws. This is how it works, and boy, it sure worked out perfectly. You called the Cowboys game, I believe, on the road against the Falcons. The Falcons, I think it's fair to say, with two straight losses, falling to four and six out of the playoff mix. The Cowboys now are the favorites, amazingly, to win the NFC East. They are set on Thursday to host the Washington Redskins. That awful Alex Smith injury, 33 years to the day after the Joe Theismann injury. Uh, There now is uh, Colt McCoy at at the helm of the Redskins. Based on what you show, you saw, should the Cowboys be the favorite in the NFC East? They should. They absolutely should because they actually have a formula they believe in now, and they haven't strayed from it recently. Clay, you've watched them throughout the season. How many times did you throw things at the television, not because you're a Cowboys fan, but how come Elliott's not touching the football? What are we doing? You know, this is what you do best. This offensive line that is not the same as it was in its heyday because Travis Frederick isn't playing. Tyron Smith is, is older and, and, and a little more beat up, not, not as healthy as he's been. You know, right on down the line, you're starting with Joe Looney playing, one, one, playing center for you and, and, and working through that. But still, they've settled in, and what they do best is, is, is block for the run. And now they're sticking in Zeke's chest, and they're throwing it to him. He's become the workhorse. It takes pressure off of Dak Prescott and makes him a much better quarterback. But if you look at him now, they've already won in Philadelphia, and Philadelphia's leaking oil, as we've seen. Okay? They got beat in Washington on that snap infraction penalty that moved it five yards and made a 52-yard field goal, and Maher barely missed on that one. So they feel pretty confident they can play with Washington if they come in, especially now with, unfortunately, what happened with Alex Smith. So when you look at all of that and down the stretch – if I'm not mistaken, the Cowboys have a pretty nice finishing stretch. And I believe it's got some combination of Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, and the Giants. Now, Indianapolis has changed, okay? Things have jumped up on that one. But if you like to look at them down the stretch, if they can continue on this path, and 
it's a weird path because we're we're all in on the I'm all in on the Cowboys looking like the team, but Clay Sunday was the first time that they won back to back games this season, so that just tells you where the NFC East is right now too. Who would be your Super Bowl pick right now? Everybody has played at least ten games. Some teams like uh, the Rams and the uh, and the Chiefs have played eleven. Yeah. Who would be your? I mean, is it as simple to say? The Saints in the NFC look like the best team, although, man, that would be a doozy if they played the Rams in the NFC championship game, which would be what we would anticipate seeing right now. And I think the Chiefs have clearly been the best team in the AFC, but the Chiefs have never been able to get past the Steelers. What would you project right now if you had to pick two teams? Yeah, I would would project New Orleans, and I would have a hard look at Pittsburgh versus Kansas City because – as big a home field advantage as Kansas City has in terms of how we view it and how we, how we feel about going to Kansas City, and it's one of the best atmospheres in the league, it hasn't held up for them in the playoffs. Marcus Mariota in Tennessee got them last year. Remember Pittsburgh getting them a, few, a couple of years ago? Too many times have they, have they had that home field that they have not taken advantage of it. So if you're looking at a little bit of history, you're saying to yourself, you're, you're, you're not cowed by the opportunity to go there. So if you're Pittsburgh, who's done it before with Ben Roethlisberger, et cetera, et cetera, you might feel pretty good about the whole thing and say, yeah, let's go play. But Kansas City, to me, should be the team. And New Orleans I have to pick because if it's in the playoffs and in the Sean Payton era, 6-0 and at home in the playoffs. On the road, I believe they're 1-5. and you know. And right now they hold the tiebreaker over the Rams. So that's why I would pick New Orleans at this stage. I don't want to drive Kansas City fans who are listening right now crazy, but they have not won a game. This is an amazing stat in Arrowhead Stadium, a playoff game, since 1993. That doesn't so, make any sense, does it? No, I mean, when you hear about you, how amazing that home field advantage is. Uh, I have been to Arrowhead. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it's a, it's a very it's college-like environment. Yes. It is phenomenal. I love going there to broadcast a game. And, and that crowd, that energy, and what they bring to the table, they, they deserve <laughs> some home playoff wins because they put their heart and soul into that thing. And when you smell the barbecue cooking and they do the anthem and the whole stadium comes together, home of the cheese, I mean, it's pretty spectacular. I mean, that group, that group of fans, they turn out and support their team. They deserve some home playoff wins. 1993. That's yes. Stunning. They stunning. did win a they did win a wild card game against the Houston Texans in the 2015 season, which is their only playoff win since 1993. But going all the way back, uh, and those are and again, I don't. They're Kansas City Chiefs fans. Like don't how you starting my morning off like <laughs> this, dude. But they lost at home in 1995, in 1997, in the 2003 playoffs, 2000. Uh, 2010, and then uh, 2016 in the divisional round against the Steelers, and then like you mentioned last year in the wild card against the Tennessee Titans. All of those home wow. playoff losses uh, for the uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. So that well, is uh, that is pretty brutal. Well, uh, briefly, Clay, you know what yeah. may be different for this team now is 15. Yeah, because that kid has a fearlessness to him and a spirit to him that he's not going to get weighed down by past history. He's just going to go play. It was amazing to watch. Uh, Charles Davis, we will talk to you next week. Have a good Thanksgiving. Where are you going to be this weekend? Which game are you calling? Seattle at Carolina on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, Clay. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone who can hear our voices. 
outstanding stuff. That's a great game as well. Uh, both teams needing big-time wins. Uh, Russell Wilson, Cam Newton going head-to-head. That'll be a heck of a game. Uh, that's Charles Davis. Go follow him at CFD22. He's the voice of Madden. He's a phenomenal broadcaster. Just a good dude all around. Uh, thanks to Charles Davis. He joins us every single Tuesday. All right, we'll be back here. Uh, we'll break down, continue the Monday night football game, the epic classic that we just saw. We'll get you ready for the start of hour two. I'll give you my top five, bottom five in the NFL. Then we'll talk with Mark Schlereth, continuing to break down the NFL. And then in hour three, we will go out to L.A. as the city of Los Angeles is waking up, the sun beginning to rise. Petros Papadakis from AM570 LA Sports will join us and contextualize what all that meant. Plus, by the way, L.A., big decision to make now with USC, Notre Dame coming to town. What do they do about Clay Helton? Much to discuss. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios, brought to you by Discover. Get your free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score and Checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Um, question for everybody out there. Let me bring in the crew. Is that the best regular season NFL game you have ever seen before? My answer is yes. I think that is the most entertaining game regular season that I have ever seen in NFL history. I can't think of one that has been better than 54-51, the instant classic we saw last night on Monday Night Football. Danny G, are you with me? It's got to be right up there at the top of the list, for sure. I mean, I was holding my bladder. I don't know about you, but most Monday Night Football games, we could walk away, go to the kitchen, run an errand, come back. You don't miss much. This game, I didn't want to walk away from it. Even during the commercial breaks, I was like, well, when's it going to come back, though? So... It was such high-flying action that I did not want to leave the spot I was sitting in. Yeah, a lot of times I will watch, especially by Monday Night Football, I watch and I do work. I've got my laptop out. I'm responding to emails. I'm prepping for the week of work to come, You know, reading articles that I've flagged during the day. I didn't look down hardly at all from the screen other than to occasionally send out a tweet during that game. By the way, you can always follow me at Clay Travis on Twitter. That's how riveting the action was and also how quickly the scores could happen. Uh, a lot of NFL games, uh, let's be honest, I mean, you can watch them, look down, do other things, go get a snack. The drive's still going on. There's not that explosive quality to the game where on any play you feel like either team can score or, to be fair, the defense can make such a seismic play that everything shifts immediately too there were three defensive touchdowns last night so uh it wasn't just that yeah. you even had to watch one side of the ball Aaron Donald was a man child out there I mean just an absolute beast again I mean as good as the Chiefs played and they scored 54 points as good or sorry 51 points as good as they played they still turned the ball over five times Patrick Mahomes that's the greatest five uh, turnover game in the history of the NFL. I mean, imagine if the Chiefs well, had the, had a clean sheet. How many points would they have scored in this game? I mean, that that to me is 
the revelation. I mean, you look at the total yardage in this game, uh, and somebody put out a, a wild stat. I don't want to feel like I'm dunking on Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans here amidst all their pain, but the Bucks scored three points against the Washington Redskins two weeks ago in that loss that the, the Bucks put up. The Bucks put up more yardage. This is an amazing stat. The Bucks put up more yardage in their loss to the Washington Redskins when they scored three points than the Rams did last night against the uh, against the Chiefs. I mean, again, if you're the Chiefs, the Rams scored 54 points, 14 of those directly off of uh, turnovers. They scored touchdowns off of Patrick Mahomes' touchdowns. So if you're the Chiefs, you're sitting around, you're saying, well, we only gave up 40 on the defensive side of the ball, and we turned the ball over five times. That's why even in the loss, if I am a Chiefs fan sitting back, I'm saying, well, you know, that stinks. We could have very easily won the game. We had the ball twice inside the final four minutes with uh, with opportunities. I guess it was twice inside the final two minutes or three minutes or whatever it was with a chance to go down and kick a field goal and go to overtime or to uh, to find a way to put this game into uh, just take control of it and finally win. That's why I I think right now we are setting up for a blockbuster, unbelievable, you-can't-look-away Super Bowl between the Chiefs and the Saints. Now, maybe there's a team out there with a defense that can shut down one of these high-powered offenses. Maybe it's the Chicago Bears. Maybe the Chicago Bear defense continues to evolve and they get into a game against the Rams uh, or against the Saints and they have an opportunity to prove that defense still matters in the NFL and that they can match up with all this talent on the field and keep all the points from raining down. Maybe there's a team in the AFC. I don't really know who. because It doesn't seem to me like the Patriots have that good of a defense. doesn't seem to me like the Steelers have that good of a defense that can shut down the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe it's just the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs haven't won a home playoff game since 1995, and so maybe they're not ready for primetime 1993. I mean, this is a crazy stat for you as we go in to finish off hour one. The last time the Kansas City Chiefs won a home playoff game, Patrick Mahomes wasn't born yet. That's how long it's been. That's wild. Up next, top five, bottom five in the NFL. We'll break down it all for you on OutKick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're also brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. And True Car. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Absolute classic last night, 54-51 win by the St. Louis. Sorry, sorry, St. Louis. Uh, I was just about to say St. Louis Rams uh, by the L.A. Rams over the Kansas City Chiefs. And this to me felt like the NFL saying, We're done with politics. We're done with all of the stupid distractions that have taken away from our game. We are going to put on 
the best damn entertainment product anywhere in the world of sports or beyond, the best reality television, the event that you can't look away from, go try and find something as good on Netflix. Go try to find something as good on Hulu. Ultimately, live sports, when done well, are a game changer. And the NFL put on one whale of a product last night. Everything came together perfectly. Let's start with the incredible good fortune of the NFL that the field in Mexico City was too crappy to play on. Because the way this game felt being played in Los Angeles after the wildfires in Southern California, and yes, by the way, I know there are awful wildfires in Northern California as well. Some people on Twitter saying, you know, we had fires too. Okay, Northern California, devastation up there too. But in the Southern California where you had the shooting uh, at the uh, at the nightclub and in Thousand Oaks, I believe it was, and then you had all of the fires in the L.A. area to have this game taking place in Los Angeles, to have the L.A. Fire Department and the L.A. Police Department represented. There was one moment in time where when they came back out of a break, they had a shot on Monday Night Football where they had someone wearing a T-shirt in remembrance of the police officer who responded to that mass shooting and died. It felt so absolutely perfect. Jared Goff sitting on the sideline in an LAPD hat. You want to talk about the contrast between Colin Kaepernick wearing pig socks and saying that police were modern-day slave catchers? to have Jared Goff sitting in an LAPD hat, to have Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs traveling cross-country and wearing LAPD hats, to have Sean McVay doing the same. It felt like a big valentine from the NFL to everybody that had been offended by the league's response to first responders and police officers and fire departments and military to a certain extent as well. This felt like the NFL saying, our bad, why don't you just sit back and enjoy the show? And my God, did they put on a hell of a show. Up and down the field, I think this was, looking ahead, a seismic event in the way NFL games will be played in years and years to come. If you're a big college football fan like I am, you sat back and you said, yeah, we've been seeing this in college football for a long time. Wide open offenses, risk-taking, stretching the field. For a long time, NFL people have been cocky and they've said, oh, that that garbage they run in college, it'll never work here. And I think what you're seeing is Several teams have embraced a lot of the principles that work in college football, and it turns out if you have better athletes and better football players running them, those schemes also work in the NFL too. Todd Gurley is maybe the most talented offensive player on the field overall. He barely touched the ball, and the Rams scored 54 points. Todd Gurley carried the ball 12 times. He caught a few more passes. He had, I think, 
around 100 yards of total offense, even without him, the Rams, I believe, would have been capable of scoring 50 points. Even without Cooper Cup, who was such an integral part of their offense in the first 10 weeks of the season, they were still capable of going up and down the field with impunity. This was, I believe, a game that we will look back on and say, this is how the NFL changed overnight. Everybody's going to watch this film, and they're going to start to ask the question, what can we do to make our offenses more explosive? Right now, I would say, if there are 32 NFL teams, there's a great stat out there, and I hate to pick on the Bills, but there were more touchdowns scored in this game, 14, than the Buffalo Bills have scored all season, 13. For many of us who are NFL fans, you watch this game and you thought to yourself, this doesn't look anything like the offenses that I watch play every week. And I think what you're going to see is more and more teams try to embrace these concepts. Now, not everybody's got Patrick Mahomes. Not everybody's got Sean McVay. Not everybody's got Andy Reid. Not everybody has got Jared Goff. But in general, if you are the New England Patriots, you can do this at the highest level. If you are right now, I would say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, really, you can do this at the highest level given your skill position. You can't stop anybody on the other side. and You're probably still going to lose, but the Bucs can do it. The Saints can certainly do it. And maybe, maybe if you really kind of stretch a little bit, that's probably it. It's probably about it, right? The Bucs are awful. We'll throw them out. The best teams in the NFL right now are the most explosive offensive teams. The two we saw last night, the Saints and probably the New England Patriots are capable of those kind of explosions. I think the Steelers might be as well. And that's why, let's go ahead and play the music, boys. Let me give you my top five NFL teams now that we have completed either 11 games or 10 games. The music coming in in the background there. I think right now, the best team in the NFL, New Orleans Saints. Second best team, I'm going to give it to the Rams. Third best team, Kansas City Chiefs. Fourth best team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And in the five spot, I have got the New England Patriots. I think that's a pretty solid top five. I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue with any of that five. Just on the outside looking in, we got the Bears. We've also got maybe the Texans, although I'm still not sold on the Texans, even at 7-3 and three, is actually being that good. Uh, those are my top five. The Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Patriots. All of them have explosive offenses that when firing on all cylinders are capable of hanging 50 on somebody. The bottom five. I got the Jags now at 28. Jags have lost six games in a row. They gave up a 16-point lead against the Steelers. I think the Jags are done. If I were projecting, Tom Coughlin has to hate this football team. I think there's a very good chance that the Jags are going to be done with Blake Bortles soon, and they might even be done with Jalen Ramsey. I think they want to recalibrate and reset everything having to do with the culture of this team. They feel fundamentally broken. In the 29th spot, I've got the Jets. At 30, I've got the 49ers. 31, moving out of last place, surging up my board. The Raiders at 31 with the big win over 
the Arizona Cardinals, who I am dropping now to 32nd in the NFL. Uh, Danny G, how would you break down my top five, bottom five? I like it, and I like the fact that the Raiders are no longer the very last team on your board. Uh, that is uh, that is the benefit of finally winning a football game. Yes. So, uh, John honestly, Gruden, his best signing of the year, Clay, is kicker Daniel Carlson. I think there are five teams, and, and five is probably an exaggeration, maybe four teams that I feel comfortable about in an every weekend that you're going to get a pretty good game from them at this point. I feel good about the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, and I'm going to put the Steelers in there, even though for about three and a half quarters or whatever it was, they were two and a half quarters. They were not very good against the Jags. They still found a way to win. The other 28 teams, I just I have no idea what I'm going to get from one week to the next. I think there is a lot of mediocrity in the NFL as we come up on week 10, and that's never been better established. The Miami Dolphins, 5-5. Five and five. Baltimore Ravens, 5-5. Five and five. Cincinnati Bengals, 5-5. Five and five. Indianapolis Colts, 5-5. Five and five. Tennessee Titans, 5-5. Five and five. Dallas Cowboys, 5-5. Five and five. Minnesota Vikings, 5-4-1. Five, and, and the Seattle Seahawks, 5-5. Five and five. This is a 5-5 five and five NFL. There's a lot of teams, especially if you expand it, like, and also say, okay, but how about four and six teams? The Atlanta Falcons, Detroit Lions, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Denver Broncos, the uh, all of those teams, there are a lot of five and five and four and six football teams, which to me, and if you want to toss in six and four, I think there's only one six and four team. It's the Carolina Panthers. The difference between six and four and four and six ain't very much, and that's basically the entirety of the NFL. You have no idea what's going to happen from one week to the next. Tennessee Titans, perfect example of that. One week they go out and they whip just absolutely dominate the New England Patriots 34-10. to The next week, they go on the road against the Indianapolis Colts. They get beat 38-10. to Try and tell me how you can reconcile those two, two performances separated by seven days. You just can't. On the one hand, you're good enough to beat the greatest dynasty in the history of the NFL and make them look old, decrepit, and awful. The next week, you look like you're incapable of doing anything. We'll see what happens. Monday Night Football, Titans, Texans, going to be a high high bar to live up to and let me tell you in advance they ain't living up to it neither one of those teams are very good compared to the two that we saw play last night all right up next we're going to be joined by mark schlereth he is a uh, big time nfl uh, expert we'll ask him what he thought about last night's game does he agree with me that this could be a seismic change going forward in the way the nfl plays but first everybody's got a to-do list drop off the dry cleaning pick up some milk here's an idea Let's add, save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. Good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today. My name is Clay Travis. This is Outkick, the coverage. Up next, it's Mark Schlereth on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want 
so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car visit true car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience mark schlereth joins us now mark uh, what an unbelievable game can you remember a more entertaining regular season nfl game than what we just saw last night uh, i don't know that i can remember a more entertaining game period now uh, of course, you know, the NFL's got exactly what it wants, right? I mean, it's cultivated it's cultivated a generation of young fantasy football fans, and they're like, hmm, how can we make the game that we play on television and in the stadium look identical to the game you play on the computer? Here we go. We'll just eliminate defense, and we'll just play fast break offense. And I, I got to be honest. As a guy that's somewhat of a purist, not that the NFL cares about me, because they don't. If you're one of those people that's like, oh, defense wins championships and this this product is garbage, the NFL is basically saying to you, we don't care. See around sometime, hope it works out for you, but we've cultivated a generation of football fans that grew up on fantasy football, and you know what we're doing? We're servicing that generation. Congratulations. So um, it was wildly entertaining. There was an article recently that we talked about on this show which said basically sports have become video games. And the, the, the thesis was that the way that you play a video game, the coaches and the players now perform that same way. In the NBA, you shoot all three-point shots or dunks. In the NFL, you rarely run the football. You almost always end up passing the ball. And if you run it, you a lot of times feel like, man, that was a wasted play. You gain two yards, uh, and uh, and you know it's the cloud of dust style, and then you go right back in, into your offensive pyrotechnics. Is it a coincidence right now? The four best teams in the NFL I have right now, maybe my top five, are the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Patriots. All of them, when they are executing well, have the ability to put up 40-plus with ease. Is that fair? Is that the NFL that we're in now that you can either score 40 and you can win a championship or you can't and you have no chance? Well, I don't know that you don't have a chance. I think that I think that here, here are the kind of the ancillary benefits and what we're falling away from with this, as you mentioned, this kind of offensive explosion. And, and let's face it, every rule is bent toward, you know, putting up offensive numbers. So it's exceptionally hard to play defense. There's no question about that. And you're going to give up, you know, yardage. You're going to give up points. Uh, the issue that you get into is in a game like that, you're going to have no defense if you don't run the ball, if you don't have um, some semblance of balance, because your defense has got to go out there and they've got to continue to play, play in, play out. And it's hard playing defense. Listen, man, I'm an old fat offensive lineman. You know, if I blocked you and we knocked one out and, you know, the running back, you know, the running back got 14 yards or whatever, you know, you had to get up and I cut you and you put you on the ground. You had to get up. You had to get up back on your feet. You had to chase the ball. Otherwise, you're getting chewed out by your coaching staff. You know what I did? I laid on my big fat stomach and I watched from where I laid down. That's what I did. Then I got up and I walked to the huddle. Like, that doesn't take a whole lot of energy. I mean, it's hard putting myself back on my feet, but the bottom line, it takes no energy. Defense is infinitely times, infinitely more times hard, or more difficult, um, you know, from an athletic standpoint or from an energy standpoint than it is to play offense. So 
like you had better. Like the interesting thing to me is both of these teams just said, screw it. All we're going to do is put on a show. Like we're going to just entertain. And you could have helped your defense out tremendously had you had some balance because both teams can flat run it. And let's face it, both teams aren't concerned about the run. They're just chasing the quarterback. You know, it's so funny. Every week I talk into a game and I talk to defensive coordinators, and every one of them says the same thing. Well, our, you know, our number one goal here is to stop the run, make them one-dimensional. Baloney. Your, your number one goal is not to stop the run. It's to rush the passer. You don't care about the run. You've quit caring about the run. Like, there's never been a time where the yards per carry average has been higher in the National Football League. You, you say, hey, our, our number one goal is to stop the run, but we're not actually going to play a linebacker. They're going to be all DBs and, you know, and four defensive or two defensive linemen and two linebackers that actually rush the passer. Like, that's, that's what the NFL has become. So it, it, it certainly, you know, it's certainly they don't really put the emphasis like they used to on stopping the run, but the ancillary kind of benefit to being able to run the ball, being able to control the tempo of the game, is your defense at the end is going to have some freshness to it. You're going to be able to make a stop. When you watch that game last night, um, do you think, and, and, and in conjunction with what we saw from the Saints, would it stun you if, assuming these guys stay healthy, because we saw, and I'll ask you about Alex Smith here in a minute, but assuming these guys stay healthy, assuming that Jared Goff stays healthy, assuming Drew Brees stays healthy, in the NFC, should it be the Rams and the Saints? Are they head and shoulders above everybody else? Yeah, you know what's really interesting about that? We talk about their passing game and, and the uniqueness of the NFL and the way it's structured right now. And, you know, the Saints have a great running game as well with two really good running backs, um, as do the Rams. Obviously, Todd Gurley is, is special. But Brown is a really good player as well that comes in and spells him occasionally. But they don't do it the same way. Um, that the Saints do it, there's, there's no question about that. But, you know, you start to look and you start to break down the best teams in the National Football League, and you know what's interesting, what they all do have in common, is every one of them has a great group up front. They, the Saints, you put them on film, the Saints have the best offensive line in football. Uh, the Rams are right there. I mean, the Rams are great up front. The Chiefs, even though they had a couple of injuries, the Chiefs have been great up front. You show me a team that can control the line of scrimmage, and that, like, run, the running game now to me is more about can you dictate in situations that require you to dictate? Like, can I get into third down and one and say, hey, guys, everybody in the brother's uncle knows we're running 18 handoff. Can you stop it? Because this is what's coming down your throat. You know, if you can get to the point where you can dictate in critical situations on the goal line, in third down and shorts, fourth down and short situations, where you're just like up yours, this is what we're going to do, and you can't do anything about it. Now, the, the issue that you get into is, like, that's a skill. Like, I could take, I could take a football to, to the Fox cafeteria. I could throw it to anybody. They can catch it and throw it back to me. If I set up a one-on-one drill in the Fox cafeteria, I am whipping ass <laughs> simply because I know how to do it. Like, I, I worked my whole life on developing those skills, and the problem in the NFL is, like, if all you're doing is throwing the ball, it's really hard to develop the skill to move a man from point A to point B against his will. Like, that's a skill set that's, that, to me, is far greater than catching or throwing a football. We, to, to me, well, let me go back to the, to the bigger picture here. Um, you just mentioned something uh, about that. College football for a long time has been saying, 
we can move the ball more exciting uh, fashion than the NFL. And the NFL has looked at college football and said, no, 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 that won't work in our game. Watching last night, I felt like I was watching a Big 12 game just with a lot mm-hmm. better players and a lot better talent on both sides of the ball. What am I missing, or is that an accurate reflection of what I was seeing? Well, I, no, I think it's definitely an accurate reflection of what you're seeing. Um, you know, the the issue, the only issue that you get into, and you see all the RPO action, you know, the run pass action, and you see all that stuff. Um, the issue that you get into is that there, there's two things that separate it in my mind, and, and obviously it's all morphing toward um, toward that. And I was one of those guys go, hey, unsustainable. It's unsustainable if you're asking you know your quarterback to do what Lamar Jackson did last week to run it. Can't run times. the ball 27 times. Yeah. Can't do it. I mean, I picked up a fumble once. I thought I was going to score, and uh, Mike Merriweather hit me so hard that that's not shot out of both nostrils. Um, like I was like, never again. That's the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I like, you can't, you can't do that, but these quarterbacks who, who run that RPO game, the threat of that edge presence, the threat of being able to scramble and not really, not really ever doing it. The holding of the defense on the backside. So you can't constrict running lanes. That's what it does for you. You know, holding of the linebackers so that they sit in their spot so that you can play a high-low layered route concept game with them and you're just getting wide-open throws because nobody's getting depth. That's what that RPO does for you. So that's the difference. You're not going to run the ball. The other thing is you're never going to have a wide side of the field like you do in college. So that width. That's going to be taken away from you, you know, the college game where we can just throw it out there and run to the sideline and you have, you know, 20 more yards to work with, 20 more yards of space. And for people out there who don't else. know, that's because the hashtags uh, situation right, in college that. versus the NFL is so much different. Right, yeah. So everything is condensed in the middle of the field. So your athletes, you, you're not going to create the space you create, you know, on the sideline. The other thing that, that happens to you in college game is like if we're on the tight side of the field, man, we can rotate a receiver one after the other and just run nine routes down that one hash on that that boundary, and you can never get your guys to rotate. So we can wear you out that way as well. So those rules are a little bit different. The hashtag or the hash lines, uh, the the hashes are different. But um, the, the bottom line, the bottom line is, yeah, this game continues to morph into what the college game has shown us. And, and part of it is, too, is the players that we're getting, that's what, they're, that's what they're playing. You know, it used to be where the NFL affected college football that affected high school football, and then it became high school football affecting college football, which is now it's this, the opposite of Reaganomics. It's a trickle-up theory uh, in the National Football League, and, and it's taken over, no question. We're talking to Mark Schlereth. The other big story I thought from last night was the NFL saying, you know what, we're done with politics. We're done with trying to, to, to use our sport in any way to detract from the game. You had the city of Los Angeles coming together, the fire department, the police department, all of the victims of that shooting as well as the wildfires. It felt like the NFL was basically saying to everybody, our bad, we're going to get this right. 
and it felt like everything about that game was right, beginning with the fact that they moved it from Mexico City to L.A. The Coliseum environment was phenomenal. I tweeted out a video of uh, Jared Goff and uh, Andrew Whitworth, I believe, talking to all the victims of that shooting after the game, uh, one of the first things they did, even wearing the fire department hats, everything else. This felt like a repudiation of much of what Colin Kaepernick had done and the divisiveness, I would say, in general, that has constricted the NFL over the past couple of years. Do you feel like that, that the NFL's got its mojo back, that politics has gotten kicked to the curb, and it's just about putting on a really good and entertaining product again? Yeah, I, you know, I hope so. I know the guys have made a huge impact in their communities and guys have gone out there and tried to um, to do what's, you know, to do what in their heart they believe is right for social injustice. And, and I'm 100 percent in agreement with those guys for going out in their communities and doing those things. Um, but when it comes time to play the game man, it's time to play the game. And I think ultimately what you started to look at is, hey, we can have a great effect. We can have a very positive effect. Um, without having that same negative kind of feeling about about our game in general. Like, we can have a great positive effect out there in our communities, but let's not politicize the game itself because the game is the great escape for most of us. I mean, I sat on my couch completely mesmerized by this game and the beauty Join of the this club. game. And this is, yes. Yeah, and this is a game that I absolutely love. And, and I think the players are starting to understand you know what, this game has been under attack, Clay, uh, under attack from a political standpoint, under attack from a, a contingent of uh, a very small contingent of people who hate this game. So they use head trauma and they use the concussion situation that we found ourselves in to try to, you know, try to pick this game apart. And, um, you know, they've created this equation where, yeah, um, you know, head trauma leads to CTE, leads to freaking out and killing your family. And, you know, and, and it just I hate the fact that there's so little research done. Like, I, I happen to believe that, like, regardless of what you do for a living, if it gets taken away from you, if your identity is what you do for a living and it gets taken away from you, you're going to you're going to struggle regardless. There are going to be chemical changes. There's going to be some depression that goes on. So if you put your whole everything that you are, if you put that into what you do for a living, and that gets taken away from you, if that's where you're, you find your identity, you're going to struggle anyhow. And we don't do any research on the effects of opiates on the players, the effects of alcohol, drugs. You know, I happen to believe that if you have a purpose beyond playing football, that you have enough plasticity and enough connectivity within your brain to overcome whatever trauma you do to it. But we don't study any of that. We just look at it like, oh, if you play football, you're going to freak out and kill your family. And, and I hate it. I hate the fact that, that football has been under attack because the best men I've ever been around, the best men, the best fathers, the best husbands, some of the best people I've ever been around play professional football. And they happen to be very productive members of society. And we don't want to look at that. We just want to look at the t- couple of guys who freak out. And I think it's completely unfair. So I'm glad that we got to see what we got to see last night. Do you think part of that is just an overall war on masculinity? Because I do. I think football is hyper-masculine culture. Much like a lot of times the military, I think that's why there's a lot of overlap there because by and large, it's young men training their body to be physically dominant, right? And uh, there is a certain segment of the population that is uncomfortable with 
aggressive masculinity, right? And uh, the reason why I think we love football is it's big, strong, tough guys performing a violent act. Football is a violent sport. And I think there are people that are uncomfortable with that, and they have used it as an opportunity to attack the game. I think there are a lot of people doing that. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any question. And, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, football has given me so much more than it has ever taken. And you're talking to a guy who had 29 surgeries over the course of his career. And I do it all over again. And, yeah, you know what? Anything that's worth, that's, that's, that's worth putting effort into is – it's going to come with, you know, it's going to come with some consequences. And I'm, I'm a hundred percent in, you know, it's like that whole toughness aspect. And, you know, I tell this to people all the time, like, oh, listen, there's only 1500, 1700 people in the world that one have been touched by the hand of God and blessed athletically enough to play this game. But even more importantly, that have been that, that have that, whatever that gene is to say, I'm just a little bit touched and I'm going to go out here and lay on the line and put myself into harm's way because you're going to get hurt if you play this game. It's going to generate pain. It's going to generate injury. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Some people, you know, some people hate that. But again, the true strength in, in anything that we do is our ability to love. And here's what I know about winning championships and playing football. You cannot be your best if you're not playing for the guy beside you. If you don't have enough love in your heart, and the true strength is sacrifice, is love, is kindness, is generosity, that's where we find our true strength. And those are, those are many of the aspects that I have learned about playing championship-caliber football, is it requires you to be selfless. And so all the things that you hate from a masculinity standpoint, I would, I would argue that the things that make you great or not the, 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 oh, let's go, you know, crush heads here kind of aspect, the meathead aspect of this game. It's, it's completely the opposite of that that makes you a great player. And so, you know, our, our failure to recognize that because just we see the physicality, I think, is, is a shame. Last question for you, Mark, um, and this goes back to the field itself. Alex Smith, devastating injury. It's amazing how quickly things can change. In the NFC East now, the Dallas Cowboys are the favorite to win the division. They were given up for dead two weeks ago when they lost to the Tennessee Titans. Should the Cowboys be the favorite? Who's going to win the NFC East? I, I think they should, one. Um, you know, Xavier, uh, uh, how do you say his name? Suofilo? Uh, Xavier Suofilo. He was, you know, a, he's a free agent with the Tennessee. They ended up cutting him. Dallas started him a couple of weeks ago when Connor Williams, the rookie left guard, uh, went down with an injury. Completely helped solidify that. He's a veteran player, big, strong cat. And they have gotten back to what they are. Like, understanding and recognizing the identity of your football team is important. And oftentimes what we do is we try to get away from that and become something we're not. You know, we want to be special. But this is just a life just in life in general, it's important to understand your strengths and to also maybe more importantly, understand your weaknesses. And I think the Dallas Cowboys looked at themselves and said, you know what? We can't do what we're trying to do. So let's get back to dominating line of scrimmage. Let's make this offense run through Ezekiel Elliott. Let's use the RPO game. Guys, we've got a great defense. We've got a great front seven. We can run around, make a fly around, make plays, sack quarterbacks, 
create turnovers. So let's just lean on our strengths. There's nothing wrong with doing that. And I think they've come back to that realization that, you know what, if we ask, if we ask Dak Prescott to drop back and throw it 52 times, we're going to lose. And so they've gotten back to kind of that formula and certainly has worked for them up to this point. Outstanding stuff, as always. Go follow him on Twitter, at Mark Schlereth. He'll be calling games for Fox. He does a fantastic job all around. Appreciate you waking up early with us, my man. My pleasure, buddy. Uh, let's bring in Eddie Garcia. What you got for me? Clay, the support is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. On the Geico scoreboard, a thriller on Monday night in Los Angeles in the NFL with the Rams outscoring the Chiefs 54-51, 105 combined points. It's the third highest scoring game in NFL history and the highest scoring game in the history of Monday night football. L.A. quarterback Jared Goff had 413 yards passing, five touchdowns, four passing, one rushing, no interceptions, can City quarterback Patrick Mahomes had 478 yards passing, six touchdowns, but he also turned it over five times as the Rams' defense forced him into three interceptions and two fumbles, and two of those turnovers were returned for touchdowns. Rams are a NFL best 10-1 and one with the win. Kansas City falls to 9-2 and two with the loss. The NHL season continues tonight with the top team in the Pacific Division, the San Jose Sharks, hosting Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers at 10.30 Eastern. It's our Discover Card key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member, and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Back to Clay Travis and the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Outstanding stuff as always. If you haven't heard it yet, we played it at the very beginning of the show. We'll play it for you again here at the end of hour three. All of the best plays from last night's instant classic between the Rams and the Chiefs. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Pros in the know start with Lowe's and save 5% on eligible purchases every day made with a Lowe's business credit account. That's 5% savings in-store and online, subject to credit approval, cannot be combined with other credit offers. Exclusions apply. See store for details, U.S. only. A lot of reaction rolling in right now from our Mark Schlereth interview. You guys... It always is helpful, I think, when you tag uh, the guests who come on the show. Uh, Kevin Crean says, thank you for passionate, articulate, and right-on-the-money defense of football on OutKick. It needs to be repeated as much and as loudly as possible. Um, We've got uh, Preach Mark Schlereth. Preach says John Minton. This interview is incredible. A great explanation about what football is all about. Uh, it, selfish, selflessness, masculinity, and teamwork. It needs to be aired over and over. That's uh, Jeremy Trant. Uh, and then uh, Richard Weiss. Uh, there's always a dissenter. You both sound like lunatics. So there you go. Can't please everybody. A lot of people out there saying, man, I love Mark Schlereth, Clay Travis, incredible interview. Other people saying, you sound like lunatics. So uh, that is a, uh, it's always enjoyable. You can find me on Twitter at Clay Travis. If you enjoy our guests, though, or if you just want to react to our guests in general, I always say tagging them on Twitter and letting them see your opinion is a great move to make, particularly because many of the guests we have on this show, uh, in fact, the vast majority, are receiving no compensation at all, and they're waking up early and just coming to talk with you guys because they know that we have a massive audience of people that they can be reached by. I don't know about you. Uh, I am already thinking about how I'm going to take a nap. Now, this this sometimes happened when I stay up late. That game went on for like four hours last night. It didn't end till around midnight on the East Coast. 
Uh, I've got television to do later in the afternoon. Uh, I am the king for three straight weeks. I'm the first person. My gambling picks have been on fire. So I have won uh, the crown for three straight weeks. From famine to feast. Overnight, just in time for Thanksgiving. Um, I am going to, and I'm in the lead now after, uh, after Monday night's game, because last night's game, I told you guys, I said take the over. 63 and a half was the highest over under that had been on the board since 1986 the teams combined for 105 points but this is pretty wild so the 105 points the over hit by like 40 points it's like eight minutes left in the third quarter and if you had the over and that's all you cared about you could turn the television off and so that you made money what's wild is the number was exactly right on this game most people pushed the line was St. Louis. Sorry, St. Louis. I feel bad for the Rams right now because the greatest show on turf is back. Except now it's on grass and it's in L.A. instead of in uh, instead of in St. Louis. I keep wanting to say the St. Louis Rams uh, every time I, I try to give the city. The Rams uh, were favored by three points. They won by three points. So for many people out there. Despite all the sound and the fury, the fireworks, the, uh, the the offensive pyrotechnics, this game ended on a push. I bet I waited because the line for a long time was uh, Rams minus three and a half. And I also did not buy the hook, much to Todd Furman's chagrin. He was texting me last night about it. Uh, so it was a push. So for many of you out there who either had the Rams or had the Chiefs, you ended after that 105-point scoring outburst if you bet on this game with a complete push. So that in and of itself is pretty wild that you could have a game go up and down the, uh, the field that many many times and that many different plays and that many total wild, I can't believe what I just saw moments, and it ends exactly as Vegas anticipated it would from a margin standpoint. Now, from an over-under standpoint, I mean, this game went over by 40 points. And, uh, man, it was just an incredible night for the NFL as uh, as we rolled into uh, – those teams now get to roll into their, their bye weeks. But uh, I, when we come back at the top of our three, if you miss top five, bottom five, I'll give you the top five and the bottom five teams. And if you're just waking up across the country, we will play you all of the best moments of last night's game that Danny G has uh, has put together. But for me, the overwhelming number one story from last night is that the NFL's got its mojo back. After two years of turning the NFL into politics with a football, the NFL finally said, we're not in the politics game. We're in the business of putting on an entertaining product, and they just flat out got it done. I also think it was the rebirth of the NFL in L.A., I think this is going to be a massive moment for the Rams going forward in Los Angeles. If you're the Chargers, though, I think it just got a lot tougher to sell your PSLs. I think the Chargers are going to have to end up leaving L.A. Nobody cares about the Chargers. This made the Rams L.A.'s team. I thought everything about the event was perfect. We'll talk about it more at the top of Hour 3. Also, we'll be joined by Petros Papadakis from AM570 L.A. Sports. I'm Clay Travis. This is OutKick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance, visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're also brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you and True Car. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. 
True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Last night, instant classic, 54-51 win by the Rams over the Chiefs. There is so much to unpack from that game that left many of you waking up across the country as the West Coast now is starting to wake up the early risers on the West Coast or the late going to bed crew across the country, wherever or why ever you are listening to us right now. I hope you were watching the game last night because it was, I thought, a massive statement being made by the NFL on so many different levels. Let's begin with 54 to 51. For years, the NFL has argued what works in college football won't work on this level. The game is different. You got to be a grinded out physical team ultimately. You know what happened last night? Sean McVay and Andy Reid said maybe not so much. Because that was a fruition of offensive play-calling genius, the likes of which we may have never seen before in NFL history. This is the first time that a team has ever scored 50 points in the NFL and lost. Prior to last night, teams scoring 50 or more in the NFL were 216 and 0. No one had ever done what the Chiefs did, score 51 or 50 and lose. Never had happened in the history of the game. Never in the history of all the Monday night football games that have been played have more points been scored on a national stage than what we saw last night. It was the third highest scoring game of all time in the history of the NFL. That is eye-opening as well. Two young gunslinging quarterback quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, had five turnovers, and still a lot of people who watched that game said, I've never seen anything like it in terms of his overall talent. Jared Goff, a couple of years ago, given up for dead as a bust. Then Sean McVay comes to town. Everything changes with the Rams. Remember Jeff Fisher? Remember Jeff Fisher had this Rams offense and he couldn't do anything with them. Now they have everything brought to bear under Sean McVay's genius, and it feels like they're always running open. feels like there's always a play to be made. On both of these offenses, I feel the same way as I did when I watched Steve Spurrier play back in the day. Do you remember Steve Spurrier? He was the guy who brought college football, really, into the modern era. Prior to Steve Spurrier, college football was much like the NFL, and I thought Mark Schlereth said it well for us in the last hour said it used to be what the NFL did trickled all the way down to college and to high school. Everybody basically tried to emulate each other. Then what happened was high school football coaches went into their laboratories and started to create brand new offensive schemes to take advantage of the fact that they might not always have the best talent. We've got to find a schematic advantage. And then college coaches saw what was going on with the spread offense and with the uh, with the air raid style offenses, throwing the ball over the field. And they said, wait a minute, if this works in high school, I wonder if we could do it in college. And guess what? It did. And now NFL people are saying, hey, if this worked in college, I wonder if this will work in the NFL. And it does. If you want to be thinking about somebody who watched last night's game and thought, this is what I do. How about Lincoln Riley? 
if you were right now an NFL owner and you watched that game last night on Monday Night Football and you said, I want my own Sean McVay, I want my own Andy Reid, why would you not go out right now and offer as much money as necessary for Lincoln Riley to come coach your NFL football team? Now, he might say no. He might say there's no way on earth that I'm going to leave Oklahoma because I've got a great gig here. I'm making a ton of money. I can stay here for the next 15 years. But don't you have to go to Lincoln Riley and guys like him and offer them as much money as possible? Honestly, I watched that game last night and I was thinking, hey, Cliff Kingsbury might not work out at Texas Tech. But that offense that Kansas City is running looks awfully similar to the offense that we saw Patrick Mahomes run at Texas Tech. Why not go pluck Cliff Kingsbury out of college football, bring him to the NFL and say, install your offense with this team? Now, I do think the challenge is, I don't know how good of a quarterback you have to have to run these offenses at an extremely high level. In other words, we think Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff are both right now top 10 NFL quarterbacks. How much of, remember we used to have this discussion all the time in college, is he really good or is he a scheme quarterback? We almost never have scheme quarterback discussions in the NFL. You ever notice that? The only time we ever talk about whether or not a guy is really good or is it the scheme is in college. Because the NFL ultimately becomes the final test, the final exam of whether a guy was a scheme quarterback or a truly great quarterback comes when they advance to the NFL. I wonder if we're starting to get some schematic advantage quarterbacks in the NFL too. In other words, if you put Patrick Mahomes on the Buffalo Bills, would the Bills be able to do what the Chiefs are doing right now? If you put Jared Goff on... I don't know. What's another awful offense right now? If you put Jared Goff on, God, what's the worst offense that's out there right now? Well, I'll put him on the Bills too. I'm sorry, Bills fans, but your offense is impossible to watch. The Bills have scored 13 touchdowns so far this year. Putting that into perspective, the, uh, the two teams last night combined to score 14 touchdowns. So if you're a Bills fan and you were watching Monday Night Football, you saw more touchdowns out of those two teams than you've seen from your Bills team this entire season. The Jets are really bad offensively. If you put Jared Goff on the Jets, would the Jets be any good with Jared Goff? If you took Sam Darnold and put him conversely, you know these are the kind of questions we ask in college football all the time. I'm wondering whether we have schematic advantages now in the NFL where the play caller in the system is so much better and more advanced than what they're going up against, that they make the quarterbacks look infinitely better than they otherwise are. I don't know the answer to that. I think it's a good question that we've never had to ask before in the NFL, and that's because the NFL has become like college football. We saw a Big 12 football game break out last night. Now, the difference, because Big 12 people are like, how come everybody rips our game? The difference is those are the best athletes in the world playing football. Best athletes in the world, probably NBA players. Best athletes in the world playing football. That's what's going on right now. We saw big-time playmakers make big-time plays on both the offensive and the defensive sides of the ball. There were 21 points scored by the defenses last night. 14 by the the Rams and 7 by the Chiefs. So the defenses weren't just there doing nothing. They were also making big-time plays as well. In fact... 
if I'm a Kansas City Chiefs fan and I go back and look over that game and sort of the rosy glow of what a spectacular contest it was disappears, the Chiefs turned the ball over five times. They lost the turnover battle by three. If they don't turn the ball over five times, they win this game going away. Two of their turnovers directly related to Rams' touchdowns by the defense. If the Chiefs just turn the ball over one time, they probably win this game by double digits. If the Chiefs don't turn the ball over at all, they might win this game by 20. They might have also scored 70 points because they scored 51 even with five turnovers. Think about how crazy that is. That's how dominant the Kansas City Chiefs were on the offensive side of the ball. They scored 51 points with five turnovers. Patrick Mahomes, as good as he was, and he was at times scintillating and electric, had five turnovers by himself. Three interceptions and two fumbles. Think about that for a minute. Mahomes probably played last night the greatest game by someone with five turnovers in the history of football. If he just turns the ball over twice, his team wins going away. So while there's lots of reasons to be optimistic if you are a Rams fan this morning, there certainly are also some signs of ominous, of an ominous nature, which is as talented as your defense is, you still really can't stop anybody. And that's why you have to score a lot of points. The other big takeaway I would say from last night, this was, I believe, the NFL saying, our bad for the past two years. This was ESPN saying, our bad for the way we have covered sports for the past couple of years. Wasn't a coincidence that all of the first responders are being honored. Jared Goff in an L.A. fire department uh, hat. Andy Reid coaching in an L.A. fire department hat. This was a community being brought together by tragedy. The shooting in the area of Southern California, the wildfires in Southern California, the sudden rescheduling of this game and movement of it from Mexico City, all of that was a massive opportunity for the NFL to say, we're done with politics and we're all about putting on a really good show all over again. The man who was killed in the shooting in Thousand Oaks, the police officer who was near retirement, Sergeant Helis. There was a moment, if you were watching that game, which was not an accident, a moment during that game on last night on ESPN during Monday Night Football, they came back from a break, and there was a shot from the ramparts of the Coliseum there in L.A. with that officer who had been shot with a shirt honoring him. Did you guys notice it? Maybe it happened quickly. You might not have noticed it. But it was a shirt with in remembrance, I think, of the Sergeant Helis who had died responding to that, uh, that awful event going on in Thousand Oaks in Southern California, uh, the madman who showed up there and started shooting people. The first person to respond for the police died just shortly before he was set to retire. Father, I believe, of three. uh, A guy that I always say when you have these mass shootings, let's share the names of the victims and the heroes who respond as opposed to the mass shooters themselves. They had a moment where the camera captured him. 
and they uh, and they panned right across and uh, honor and remembrance of him. That I thought was the exact right tone. Also, after the game, Andrew Whitworth and Jared Goff met with many of the survivors' families of those shootings and of that shooting, and it just felt a hundred percent right. I was in L.A. last week. The Rams took out a full-page ad in the L.A. Times about how they were uh, connecting their franchise to the community. Their training facility is where that shooting was. They're not far from where the wildfires were. This was, to me, the best of what sports can represent. Ties that bind us, regardless of our other divisions, regardless of your race, your religion, your gender, your politics, the great thing about sports is every single person who is listening to me right now, we are all united in how much we enjoyed that game. And I think more now than ever, in an era of rampant division and cynicism and disdain and discord, sports has the ability to bring us all together from neurosurgeons to janitors, from Republicans to Democrats, black and white and Asian and Hispanic, it doesn't matter who you are, watching a athletic team go head-to-head with another athletic team and an opportunity to achieve excellence is a quintessentially American pastime that is also more important than it ever has been before now. And after two years where sports reflected political divisions in this country, I got to say, I thought the Rams, I thought ESPN, I thought the NFL got everything 100% right, and I felt like we were all one family in the week of Thanksgiving coming together in communal bliss for a few hours anyway to say, damn, that was sure fun. And that, to me, is why sports represents the toy chest of life. It is everything that is good about what we do in this country. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and play the highlights. Danny G and uh, Roberto put together. If you happen to go to bed before it was over, maybe you're just waking up now listening to us. This is what it sounded like last night from the Rams and the Chiefs radio networks. Goff under center, takes the snap, he play fakes, great backdrop, throws him inside the 20, lock the ball, left side, it is caught, touchdown LA, Robert Woods, catch the opening drive with six. Kareem Hunt, half back right, fake to him, pressure on Mahomes, planning a pass left side for Tyreek Hill, he's got a touchdown, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, a perfect touch pass, and the Cheetah says hello to the Monday night stage. First and 10, Chiefs at the 21 of the Rams, they fake the end around, they're going to run a screen right side, Kareem Hunt inside the 15, 10-5, blasting to the right front pylon, touchdown, Kansas City, a sack, a strip, and a screen, all in consecutive plays. Second down and eight snap back. It's knee high. He collects it. He wants to throw. He's under pressure. He's sacked. Ball comes out. Aaron Donald knocks it loose. Cincinnati Bucon scoops and scores. Touchdown, LA. Aaron Donald knocked the ball loose and Cincinnati Bucon housed it. 
three wide right. So is Spencer Ware Mahomes stepping up into the pocket, being chased, fires late, it's caught by Conley in the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes, a rabbit out of the hat at the end of the half. Midway through the third quarter, the Chiefs trail 30-23. Mahomes, belt high snap, looking right, turns left, goes middle, caught, Kelsey, touchdown, Kansas City, just blows by Nickel Roby, and the Chiefs cash in again. Throw flat-footed, it's picked, right side, Samson Abelcom, the 10, the 5, Abelcom runs over Mahomes for his second defensive touchdown of the night, 39-30. Samson Abukam, have a game! The Chiefs down 10. Play action fake, bootleg throwback attempt. Throw it long, Tyreek Hill's wide open at the 20, 15, 10, 5. Nobody is within the boundaries of California. 40-37, Rams back to throw, Goff under pressure. He's hit, he's second, pulled away. It's going to be a touchdown, defensive touchdown. Kansas City as the Hulk. Allen Bailey just pried the ball from the grip of Jared Goff, and now the Chiefs get a defensive touchdown and take the lead. Snap, third down and goal from the seven. Retreats the throw, fires middle. Gerald Everett, two yards deep left side, has it. Touchdown, L.A. Fireworks fly off the peristyle end. Here at the Coliseum, it's rocking and the Rams are back in front. First and goal at the 10. Chiefs are down by three. Mahomes again under pressure. Crossing pattern. Caught by Conley. 5-4-3-2-1. Touchdown. Far right Conlon. Conley with the touchdown. Burning Marcus Peters. He's got the snap. Rams bring four. He's well protected. Nowhere to go with the football. He escapes pressure to his right. Now launches from the 20. Downfield. Intercepted again at the 28-yard line. LaMarcus Joyner on a night that L.A. will never forget. And they take the Rams to 10-1 as they go to the bye. Fireworks fly off the peristyle end of the Coliseum. Los Angeles. These are your Rams. Ability to respond after it wasn't always pretty, especially in some instances, is, is why you love him and why he's such a great quarterback because of that even-keeled demeanor and disposition and that, that poise that we always talk about. We thought we were, you know, one drive away from kind of putting it away and getting, getting enough of a lead, and, and then they would make plays and get back in it, and then they were in the lead in the fourth quarter, and we were like, all right, like time to respond on our side, and we did. Great uh, medley there of everything from one of the ultimate iconic and classic games. That is uh, pretty spectacular. That was the Rams and the Chiefs. We're going to talk about the L.A. perspective of all this with Petros Papadakis. Plus, we'll talk about that USC-UCLA game with Notre Dame going on the road to play against SC in that same Coliseum in about, uh, what, five days is it the final game that Clay Helton will coach? We'll talk about that with Petros Papadakis next. But in the meantime, never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. You may think it makes you look casual, but more than likely, it just ends up looking sloppy. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. A casual shirt that's not too long and not too short. It's just right. Shirts designed so well, GQ calls them perfection. 
untuck it shirts are a go-to for any occasion from casual to dressy not only they look good they feel great impeccable craftsmanship and attention to detail make untuck it the only choice for the untucked man with more than 50 sizing options every guy can find the perfect shirt whether you have a six-pack or you haven't seen your abs since college log on to untuckit.com and check out all their new fall arrivals. Use the promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% off your entire first-time purchase. Again, that's the promo code CLAY. You can also visit Untuck It at one of their over 40 retail locations throughout the country. I did that at the Westfield Mall this past week. Awesome collection of shirts. I bought a couple there myself. Stop hiding your shirt with your pants and your pants with your shirt untuckit.com your solution to perfecting casual use promo code clay that's c-l-a-y for 20 percent savings up next it's petros papadakis on fox sports radio fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search fsr to listen live you hear that music that's Petros Papadakis' walk-up music. Taylor Swift bringing us back in the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Taylor Swift, Petros Papadakis. He will be joining us momentarily. But first, Eddie Garcia, what you got shaking for me? Well, Clay, also this report is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. On to the Geico scoreboard, where the Monday Night Football game in L.A. between the Rams and Chiefs actually lived up to the hype, maybe even exceeded it, with the Rams getting a 54-51 victory. They combined for 105 points, third highest scoring game in NFL history, and the highest scoring Monday night game of all time. L.A. Rams quarterback Jared Goff put up 413 yards passing. He had five touchdowns, four passing, one rushing, didn't have an interception. Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes had 478 yards passing, six touchdowns, but he turned it over five times, three interceptions, and two fumbles, and the Rams defense returned two of those turnovers for touchdowns. Rams are now a league-best 10-1 and on the season. Kansas City is at 9-2. and A couple of quick games from the NBA. Bucks over the Nuggets, 104-98. Milwaukee is at 12-4 and on the season, second-best record in the league behind Toronto. Clippers over the Hawks, 127-119. to LA is now 11-5, and, and percentage points up on Golden State for the top spot in the Pacific Division. The NHL season continues tonight with the top team in the Pacific Division. The San Jose Sharks hosting Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers at 10.30 Eastern. It's our Discover Card. Key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studio. We are indeed in the Geico Outkick Studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Joined now by Petros Papadakis. Is L.A. officially the Rams town now? I don't know. I I think it's Lakers and Dodgers until you stop asking me. (laughs) Last night you don't think was a big deal? Last night was a huge deal. It had an opportunity to be a magical night and it was before the game even kicked off because they had the Cal Lutheran choir sing and they had lost one of the people in the borderline shooting in Thousand Oaks and they had 
the first responders there for free, and they filled up the Coliseum with people that weren't really from out of town because they didn't have enough time to make plans because the Mexico City game was canceled. So that was really special. On the field was obviously a wildly entertaining product that everybody loved. I think people are excited about the Rams, and maybe they're a Super Bowl team. I don't think you can give up points like that and be a Super Bowl team, but we'll see what happens down the stretch. They look pretty damn good and impressive. But it's a Laker and Dodger town. That's The, the town is connected to the things the people grew up with here that were here when they were children. And the Rams left in 1980 for Orange County. They're very good and people care, but it is not a Rams town. you got to stop. I can't get up for this. <laughs> uh, we were talking with Petros Papadakis. You can follow him on Twitter at Petros and Money, also at the old P, uh, AM570 LA Sports uh, out there. All right, so uh, did the NFL get everything right? I mean, we have been talking for two well, years. no. If the NFL got everything right, they wouldn't have had to cancel their game in Mexico City. They would have had somebody. I mean, do you trust a guy that says, don't worry, my guys in Mexico got this covered? Look, I think that this, no. this would have felt a lot worse, I think, if the best game of the year in the NFL had been taking place in Mexico City. Now, for the vast majority of people, we're watching it on television. You can tell us it's taking place anywhere. But I do think, given all the circumstances, playing it in the Coliseum worked out perfectly for the NFL. It was a perfect night unless you like a little bit of defense. But Even it was if you a like a little night. bit of defense, there were three defensive touchdowns. It wasn't as if the teams weren't playing defense at all. It was just the offenses were on a totally different level. Does it surprise you that it took this long for the NFL to basically start to look like high-end college football? Well, a little bit, and I'm not sure how long it will last because they have slanted the rules, and there's no doubt about it. And the flags were flying in this game like there was no tomorrow, especially in the first half, which made it a little bit disconcerting. But the defensive coordinators have always caught up in this league. Yeah. Either short-term or long-term. And when I mean defense, I mean some punts, Clay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, not Texas Tech defense. Maybe we'll get a pick six. And otherwise... We're just going to give up touchdowns every time we take the field. I, I, I think that, that usually the NFL, because the level of football, as you mentioned, is so high-end, it, it is so excellent, I do think that they'll catch up at some point. But the rules are slanted, and people enjoy it. They like the high scoring. Football purists like me that remember the days of Mike Singletary and – and Derek Thomas and Lawrence Taylor feel a little differently, maybe. But people love it, so what am I going to say? I think the coordinators will catch up to a certain degree, but never like they used to. We're talking to Petros Papadakis. All right, let's go into USC-UCLA. You got this game right. You predicted that UCLA was going to win. They did win. Uh, the end result, Don't I think, so is, shocked. yeah. The end result, I think, is that Chip Kelly 
is got things really starting to roll already at UCLA, uh, even earlier maybe than some could have anticipated. I don't think there's any doubt that the Bruin program is on the upswing and that things are going to get much better. On the other side of the equation, Notre Dame is traveling out to L.A. Uh, Another big game will be taking place in the Coliseum. Notre Dame can punch their ticket to the playoff. I think they probably will. I would bet you think that as well. But the big question I would say is, what's going to happen to Clay Helton? The USC program now sitting at five and six. Good chance they fall to five and seven. Is he going to keep his job? You know what? I think he is. Really? I really think that USC is treating their football building, the McKay Center, like it's the the embassy that Manuel Noriega was hiding in. <laughs> I really do. And they are going to close their eyes and ears to an overwhelming amount of negativity in public and in the social media and apathy amongst their fan base. And they're going to keep him. Clay, Lynn Swan, without a university president or with the university president in turmoil, extended Clay Helton. And the buyout is way north of like $15 million now. And they're already paying out all this money from another pool of cash for their controversies and their gynecological thing that happened uh, back when I was in school and for decades before and after. It's just a bad situation. So even if you do fire Clay Helton, and obviously the product warrants that, USC coaches have been fired for much less. But as I've kept telling you, if you do fire Clay Helton, is your friend James Franklin going to listen to USC that doesn't have a university president so he doesn't know who the next AD is going to be, so he doesn't know who the boss is going to be? Is he going to listen to that? Is Matt Campbell going to listen to that? Is Matt Wells at Utah State going to listen to that? It's not a stable situation. If college football coaches want one thing, it's stability if they're going to move. And USC doesn't offer that. So, and, and I don't think Lynn Swan wants to fire Clay Helton. He definitely doesn't. He just extended him, and he'd have to pay him a ridiculous amount of money. Now, let me ask you something, Clay. You're all over the country, and Clay Helton really does come from the South. Was anybody going to hire Clay Helton? Maybe Memphis. Maybe. Was anybody going to hire him last year? No, I always say, it's a good question. I always say that in college sports, the way to determine how desirable your coach is is pretend that he is a free agent that suddenly, for some reason, he's left the existing job he has right now. How many other programs would immediately sprint to try to get that guy? I don't think there's a single major program in the country right now that would say, you know what, we've got to have Clay Helton as the face of our program. We're putting him in charge of everything. So USC people have to ask, why in God's name was he extended in the first place? Well, that's a good question. You know, the product on the field is, I mean, Chip Kelly put three tight ends in the game and gave a back the ball 40 times and humiliated USC. Just humiliated him. That kind of stuff, that, that, that stuff got Pete Carroll run out of the conference. I mean, he left after Stanford did to that to him at home. So, 
your guess is as good as mine as 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 far as this goes at USC because I've never seen it in a in a worse situation. And I hope that they can find their way out of it, but I don't think there's an easy fix. All right, last question for you on a much more positive note, although this is probably going to get you fired up. No, I don't okay. know I don't know if you saw this, but Arkansas has suspended two starters from their football team. Did you see this story? I did not. Enlighten me. Do you know what they did? They were caught on the field. Uh, but first of all, let me say this. I'm reading from Dan Wetzel's uh, report here. Chad Morris, Arkansas is 2-9, and nine, and he says he is suspending these guys for what he deemed to be unacceptable behavior. What did they do? I mean, that sounds serious, right? They got caught flirting with a couple of members of the Mississippi State dance team before the game started. They were trying to get their phone numbers. Uh, have you have you ever heard of somebody getting suspended for a game for flirting with dance team members? Uh, that's a first. And Chad Morris said, quote, it's completely unacceptable in all areas of this program. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? In this day and age when almost nothing is unacceptable to suspend two guys for flirting with dance team members? Yeah, it really goes down to the protocol of what kind of attitude you're supposed to have when you're on the field and when you're in the uniform and when you're supposed to be ready to play the game. I think kids are going to be kids and they should be able to do what they want. I'm really not the you better shut up on the bus type of guy. <laughs> right. But that's really what football is. I mean, it's the same reason nobody smiles when they get their picture taken in football. You know, they have to look all hard. That's, <laughs> you know, that's the way a lot of coaches are because coaches are my age or older, sometimes a little younger, and they grew up with a lot of hard guy football, even though times are changing. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't know what what's happening, but it seems kind of innocent. Uh, outstanding stuff as always. Happy Thanksgiving for you. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for getting up early with us, and uh, and good luck with USC. Well, I'm thankful for you and all of your <laughs> uh, ridiculousness and your uh, hair and your nipples. Thank you. Thank you very much. My nipples are spectacular. They're real and they're spectacular. That's Petros Papadakis. Go uh, drop him a line at the old P or at Petros and Money. Final segment of the show. Tom Herman's wife dunked all over Zach Smith from uh, the Ohio State University formerly. What did she do? I'll tell you next. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. You got to stop. I can't get up for this. <laughs> Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you'd treat you. And we're also brought to you by Hellsberg. The holidays are close, but there's still time for last-minute one-stop shopping. Get gifts that give gifts at Hellsberg Diamonds. Spend $1,199 and get a free Nintendo Switch system Wow, that's pretty awesome. Games sold separately. We talked uh, last week some about the Zach Smith controversy. He started attacking uh, Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorns over the uh, allegations about what Tom Herman had done off the field and everything else. And there's all sorts of nasty allegations. By the way, we offered Zach Smith an opportunity to come on this show uh, and tell his side of the story. Uh, and he uh, he 
said, I'll check with my attorney, and then he never responded again. So people say, oh, you, I will always offer someone a forum on this show. May not agree with everything they've done, but consistently the First Amendment is alive and well on this show. So I offer people all the time the opportunity to come on this show. Just so you know, many people are afraid to do it, frankly, or they are, uh, they're nervous because they know this is not state-sponsored radio. And if you come on this show, I'm going to ask you tough questions. You get an opportunity to reach a massive audience, massive and growing audience, by the way. Go download our podcast uh, and uh, and dive in as best you can to the OutKick universe. I appreciate all that you guys are doing. Um, but uh, But Michelle Herman, who is the wife of Tom Herman, was also attacked on social media. She has responded in an ultimate Patrick Ewing, getting dunked on by Scottie Pippen fashion. You remember the all-time great dunk? Scottie Pippen dunked on Pippen and then stand, stood right over him and taunted him again. Uh, that's what Michelle Herman has done to Zach Smith. All balls in the face, right on Zach Smith. She is now selling okay, uh, cool, hook em t-shirts and sweatshirts for charity. That was the response from Tom Herman when Zach Smith said that he was going to go public and rip him to the high heavens for all these things that he alleged he had done off the field. So Tom Herman, in one of the all-time badass responses, responded to that text threatening him with all sorts of stuff from uh, Zach Smith by saying, okay, cool, hook him, which is with the, with the hook him sign. One of the all-time badass responses in college football history. And... Now Michelle Herman is selling okay, cool, hook em gear for charity all over the Austin area. Props to her. That's how you respond when somebody drags you into the mud. You grab the basketball, you run, and you just dunk all over them. Zach Smith got to be in concussion protocol after taking that dunk job. Uh, final comments of the show. I want to give props to the NFL I want to give props to ESPN. I want to give props to the Rams and the Chiefs for getting everything right about last night's game. It was an iconic, classic, unturn-away-fromable media event that went on last night. Ultimately, sports is in the entertainment business, and the goal is to be as entertaining as possible so you can compete with Netflix, Hulu, every movie that's ever been made, every television show that's ever been made that is now available at everyone's fingertips. And last night, the NFL was better than anything else that you'll see on television probably this week, maybe this month. The NFL has gotten away from politics. We're no longer talking about the national anthem. We're no longer talking about the president. We're talking about damn good football. And I, for one, welcome it back with open arms. I thought everything was perfect. The honoring of the first responders, the embrace of LA and the Rams. It was beautiful to behold the Coliseum crowd. It was a spectacle. We got a Hollywood story befitting a Hollywood location. Incredible game. Congrats to the Rams, the NFL, ESPN, everybody who put that game on last night. It was stupendous. It was perfect. It was fantastic. It was the NFL. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 
Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Smart journalism, fascinating topics, words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 